Hello and welcome to Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. I'm Lee Knott. I'm so glad you've tuned in this morning. This is episode 10 of the podcast. This one is more for intermediate beekeepers, but if you're newer, you're more than welcome to listen. Just don't feel overwhelmed by anything. And intermediate beekeepers, this may be stuff you already know, but I hope that it will lead you deeper into to queen rearing for yourself and perhaps for for your area. I think I've had more nerves about preparing for this podcast um, than any other one of the topics so far because queen rearing is where I'm at. It is um, the thing that excites me the most and is, I just feel like, one of the most needed intermediate skills um, for beekeepers. It seems to scare off a lot of people and this morning what scares me off about talking to you about it is just that there is so much to talk about. There are literally hundreds of methods to rear queens and so much depends on what you have access to and what you're, you know, per usual, what you're trying to accomplish, how many queens you want, what your setup is, all that thing. They all those things. Um, but I'm going to try to talk about some general concepts that will then hopefully lead you toward whichever kind of queen rearing you're interested in. I was lucky enough recently to take a class with Brian Fisher. He is a master beekeeper here in North Carolina and he taught a class at our local bee shop, Honey in the Hive. It was absolutely wonderful. The thing I love about Brian's teaching is um, I go in fairly familiar with the concepts and many of many of the things I had already done but like every class that I have taken from him, I come out with all these just pro tips that he throws in uh, in between the the good solid material. Um, he's a really good teacher, so if you catch him at any of the state conferences, by all means, go see his classes. I I was trying to find something to share with. So if on Google you search for Brian Fisher, that's B R Y A N F I S H E R beekeeper YouTube then right at the top uh, two things came up one is called summer splits with Brian Fisher which was one of the first classes that I took which really got me into um, queen rearing for my yard and then I see another one Brian Fisher uh, beekeeper swarm management seminar which that one I haven't seen but anyway any class you get to take with Brian you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of stuff out of and then also in preparation to talk to you today, I just, I wanted to see what I could find to refresh me on uh, the overview. Um, it's one of those things where what I do in my yard, um, it's like I can, I can do it, but somehow to wrap, to kind of wrap up what I'm doing and explain it to somebody is a lot harder. So again, on Google, I searched for queen rearing methods, PowerPoint or PPT. So queen rearing methods, PPT because this is a great way to add um, that PPT to search for people's PowerPoint presentations on various topics so you can really get a lot of information and there are some great things the first one that came up on mine was a queen rearing presentation uh, at nashbees n-a-s-h-b-e-e dot org that's probably Nashville and um, it was a nice just real basic overview um, but then what I really enjoyed was the next one, Queen Rearing Bush Farms. And of course, this is Michael Bush. He has a ton of great material um, online. He's a really good teacher. Um, 
you know whether or not you agree with all his methods per usual but um he he is good at teaching and so queen rearing bush farms ppt um and he, he had an overview in there that that i thought was it was helpful to me um just to to be able to explain it he says this is from michael bush overview of queen rearing decisions one decide on a way to get the larva into the queen cups Two, decide on how you want to do a, a starter colony. This is to get the cells accepted as queen cells and started in the first 24 or 48 hours. Three, decide how you want to do the finisher. Four, decide what kind of mating nukes you want to use and get the equipment ready. So th those things, it really covers um, each step and on each one of those, as um, you've heard before, there are many ways to do that. For example, decide on the ways to get the larva into the queen cups. Well, you can let the bees do that for you. Probably the absolute simplest queen rearing um, that I could, and this is for beginners can try this too, um, is to have a little box, a queen castle or a queen hotel or to make your own and while that is is um, a full-size box of whatever kind you use divide it up into little chambers so that it has um, several two or three uh, slot I recommend three at least slots for frames and each entrance going in a different direction so you can have three or four depending on the side of your size of your box little mating nukes essentially um, all there together it is so easy to just have that set up in the yard. In fact, I was kicking myself yesterday out in the yard um, that I didn't have one because I could have gone ahead and uh, made some mating nukes with some cells I'm working on. I'll tell you about that later. But um, it's so, you know, just to have that set up like it's a hive in your yard. And then when you come across a capped queen cell, then you're in luck because you just gently take that frame with the queen cell. Um, make sure the actual queen's not on that frame and set it in your queen castle and then you're, you've got to add frames of nectar and pollen and this is really critical because as you know anytime you move something in your yard to a different place in your yard then you're going to lose the forager bees so um, the thing about the queen castle it only really works in my opinion if the cell is already capped so that the queen is, is completely fed I'll get into more of that later also. So that's the absolute simplest um, way to get multiple queens um, that I have found. What I like to do is if I, I mean, I, now I feel really happy if I come across a good hive that I like with swarm cells because I have that available and can set it up. The other thing that I use the Queen Castle or Queen Hotel, which I got mine from Brushy Mountain before they went out of business, which is really distressing to me because that's my... Um, basic equipment so I, I now I have to make sure that all the eight frame stuff from the other companies is the, is a good match for mine but um I, I think I saw them in Kelly beekeeping I think they called it a queen hotel now theirs had more slots and if I'm not mistaken it may have only been two frames I really like the three frame and um, if I couldn't get the ones I had now I would probably make my own uh, probably take a 10 frame box and um, <laughs> I'm so lazy, but get someone to put little dividers in there for me. They're just that masonite. I think it's masonite, real thin wood boards. And then um, each each section has its own little lid 
or inner cover and this is really important um, the downside of the queen castles and I've heard this before and I have had this happen is that um, sometimes if one of those um, slots if the queen gets mated in that and the other queens are not mated uh, you'll lose the bees because they'll they won't have a queen and they'll go into the slot with the queen um, and then also there's the danger of when the queen returns you know she's got to hit the right side of that box because if she goes in a different slot then they're they're gonna kill her and for that reason um, I I also like individual nucleus colonies um, I just use the five frames they make the little tiny mating nukes that you can use and I, I'll tell you at some point there there is a I, I do want to get some of those particularly the little ones that are kind of styrofoam um, which just helps maintain the heat of a very small amount of bees um, of a little uh, <laughs> well I'll tell you about that later but um those are not necessary at all at the same time if you have them that's cool and they're that you you can use them you can also use pretty much whatever you've got the goal is to just you're going to need um, uh, some type of mating nuke to get your cell mated okay I'm probably getting ahead of myself but um, so the things that are all about the Queens and this is going to be true whatever skill you're working on whether it's a few Queens just for your yard or if you are are um, upscaling to hopefully um, get your skills honed where you can get consistent quality and sell to the beekeepers in your bee club. That's my goal right now. Um, I'm pretty uh, satisfied with the queens that I can develop for my own yard, but this year I'm just practicing. I'm working on my efficiency and working on things to improve the quality of the queens I produce, and I want to do that for a couple of years before I offer um, loose queens to make sure that the quality is something that I'm satisfied with. With the nucleus colonies that I occasionally sell, you know, those are the queens that have basically tested out and I'm pleased with and I'm, you know, happy with their quality and happy to sell them to uh, beekeepers, but I, I don't have that confidence yet with uh, producing enough to make loose queens. And even then, I am small scale, so it'll always only be a, a handful, um, at least until I win the lottery and can get rid of this day job. But um, so in queen quality, at whatever scale, these are the critical aspects, and and these are the aspects that you will see when you just do something like a walkaway split, which I'm I'm not fond of. Um, there's a variation on it that makes it worthwhile. But um, the the I'll go into that later. The the quality of your queen is determined by a few things and what I wrote down is number one I, th I really think this is probably number one and one well I don't know they're hard to um, put in order but nutrition this is vital this is the nutrition the larva gets when it's inside the queen cell um, it is they're fed by nurse bees they're fed the royal jelly which is produced by glands in the nurse bees which means you need a lot of nurse bees her queen cell to feed her well you always want to have excess food plenty more more than they p could possibly need um, in order to get the best amount of food in there and you need a lot of nurse bees and the nurse bees need to be well fed they don't need to be under any stress so they need to be well fed kind of in advance uh, the one of the best case and easiest scenario is when there's a flow and a good pollen available um, then you've got these things coming in 
Um, and even when that's the case, uh, I found this is beneficial. And I was looking, listening to a presentation of the fellow from VP Queens, and he made the comment that even when there's a flow, a little extra feed will go a long way in, in encouraging them to raise multiple queens. Because remember, in nature, they don't need that many. Now, depending on the strain of your bees, some bees, they, they'll put up 20 swarm cells in a heartbeat, um, and others only do one or two. It just depends on the bees and the situation. Um, but you, you want them copiously fed. Uh, that's a big, big deal. Um, if they're not well fed, they turn out to be little tiny queens, which I have raised a lot of those and you know had to weed them out at first I'm like well you know she's tiny but hey she's strong she's got a good laying pattern but what happens is they don't last long they basically um, the size uh, literally limits the amount of sperm that they can carry and that limits her useful lifespan so this is a case where size really does matter and you want those big fat queens so that she is both prolific and um, long-lived the the importance of that is if if she's not long-lived um, then they're going to replace her and of course any time a hive replaces its queen that's a risky time where it's very easy to lose um, a queen and then the hive be going downhill unless you catch it really quickly so the second thing that is so important um, in queens is their genetics um, you are not going to get any better queen out of your bees than the the genetics that go into making her up. Um, this can be challenging. It can be challenging to get a hold of good genetics um, outside of you know spending 200 bucks and getting a breeder queen, which is usually not recommended unless you're going to do this at scale. It's very hard to make that pay for itself. I will tell you, I'm already saving up. I hope to take this step uh, next year to just to get a breeder queen from a, a breeder who's highly respected which I'm trying to figure that part out and um, and then raise daughters off her and uh, compare the quality Corey Stevens who's another queen breeder that I admire um, he mentions in his materials that his whole yard took a turn for the better when he got a hold of some Glenn uh, Glenn uh, VSH breeder queen so I'm interested to add that to my yard which is already pretty diverse and pretty weeded out in terms of uh, survivors, um, meaning that I have to add genetic diversity back in. Um, but that's that's something on my uh, wish list. So the genetics is going to be a big deal, and that's the genetics of the queen that that you help the bees produce, and of all the drones that she mates with. And this was something that Brian talked a lot about in his class, that was particularly helpful to me about saturating or attempting to saturate your neighborhood uh, the miles around your house the the likely mating range uh, with drones of improved selected varieties because outside of in instrumental insemination the queen's going to go out there and open mate with whoever is out there brian told me this wonderful detail i just love this because i'd always wondered about it um, about how the queen from your from from your yard avoids mating with the drones from your yard this of course would is how nature keeps inbreeding from happening in bees um, and that is that the the drones fly out and go high right away they go kind of up and out and they typically don't go more than a quarter or half mile in any any direction to the drone congregation 
areas. By contrast, he said the queen goes out and flies low uh, for a distance further than that, then flies up, and that way, and then and begins to you know uh, attract drones and and that way she misses the drones from her own yard i thought this was pretty interesting or or mostly misses i think bees uh, apparently have a lot of some tolerance for inbreeding because of the uh what do they call that extreme not promiscuity but uh um the the thing about the queen mating with so many drones i'm forgetting the word right now uh but anyway so the drones are a big part, and Brian even said that he focuses heavily on the drone saturation aspect, and that means to do that, he's recommended having drone yards kind of in a circle, or at least the cardinal directions around your wherever your mating yard is going to be, at three-quarter miles from your mating yard. If if around there, three-quarter miles out, and, and all around your yard, you have hives with selected improved drones um, maybe those hives you allow to have more drones than usual like using natural comb um, that way you improve your chances of any queen in your mating yard getting a high quality bow out there which I thought was great the three-quarter miles was a number that I'd been looking for for some time and had trouble getting like what's the the perfect distance to have uh, the drone colonies and that's something I'm working with finding uh, drone places to put my drone colonies and establishing those relationships with neighbors and things so that during the bee mating season um, I can have my drone colonies out there and that's something that's not required for getting a few queens for your own yard to experiment with this. Um, you know, just if you let queens mate from your yard, you'll quickly find out the quality of the drones in your area. I have one yard that it's so fascinating that the queens, it's a few miles from my house, and the queens that mate there, their daughters are hot-tempered. And so whoever has bees in that area, they are a hot-tempered bee, but they're also um, prolific and pretty disease resistant and really good bees so I have mixed feelings about uh, get mating queens at that yard so anyway that's uh, talking about the the mating of the queen as being a big quality issue and then the weather is a huge quality issue here in the mountains when we can easily have a week of chilly rainy weather all of a sudden out of nowhere even in midsummer that can screw up the mating of all the queens that that's their window of mating and i've had that happen where an entire batch of queens and for me a batch is is all pretty much always less than a dozen because i don't have that many uh mating nukes um then the whole batch can come back and they you know they they were some were drone layers some were just spotty layers anyway it was a whole batch that was no good and i had to cull and it was a weather thing um that's something uh that is critical about any kind of uh queen rearing from one uh, you know if even a few to many is that you have a calendar and you write down every part of the process because that way if if the time if the window that you know your queens are out there getting mated and you're looking out the window and seeing crappy weather during that week you're going to have to watch out for those queens because they might not have had a chance to be well mated and it's a one it's a one shot deal um and then the fourth uh, quality aspect that that I've uh come to realize is I'm going to say housing <laughs> and by that if you're using any of the queen rearing methods where the cell 
is on a frame where the bees put it. Um, by this I mean usually, I mean it, it would be a supersedure cell or an emergency response cell. It's the kind of cells that if you go into a hive and remove the queen, the cells that they make in response to losing their queen are going to be emergency cells. And those are drawn on the face of the comb instead of the bottom of the comb where the swarm cells are. That's one reason why swarm cells, um, natural swarm cells, tend to be the top quality uh, queen because they are. It, it was um, that egg was laid in a cup that was always going to be a queen cup. Um, it was fed, always intended to be a queen. An emergency queen is one where they're like, "Oh crap, our queen is gone. We got to make a queen right now," and they run around and have to find a larva of the right age put a bookmark here because there's something more to this but and so they have to draw that uh, big peanut of a queen cell wherever that right age larva happens to be and if it's young wax uh, the white soft wax they can tear it down and fashion a queen cell that can be the right shape and be the nice big size however if it's old dark comb that's really tough and they have trouble tearing it down so the queen cells they make on a frame like that are going to be scrawny and uh, even worse uh, the, the little larva can get separated from the pool of royal jelly at that point she's dead so a lot you know as sometimes a, a thing that looks like a supersedure cell may not be a viable cell it just depends on the kind of wax that it's drawn from and so that is why uh, I really emphasize when I teach people to um, what I just I'm going to call frame based queen rearing and that means you're not putting the larva in anything there's no grafting um, or any of that moving of eggs it's like you're you're getting the bees to uh, make essentially an emergency queen emergency queens um, tend to be lower quality than swarm queens and grafted queens, uh, a good quality grafted queen, uh, for all those reasons. Um, one is the what I said about the shape of the cell, but another big deal is there is uh, a lot of differing information. Um, and some say that the bees, in their hurry to get a queen, because this is these are the cells made when they've lost their queen, that they'll pick a larva that's on the outside edge of the time, the little window of time that it can be turned into a queen, and that makes for a less quality queen. Um, I think I might have said this in another episode, but this is just a little aside. If you're going to do some variation of an even split or a walkaway split, um, where they're just going to take the frames they've got and and make a queen, one little thing you can do besides making sure they have young wax is uh, and Brian Fisher I'm so glad he gave it a name I've done it but I didn't have a name for it I think he calls it a uh, a walk back split um, I believe Michael Bush calls it that too now that I say that out loud um, but the whole idea is that so you separate the queens from queen from the hive and on day five and so the day you separate them which is going to be the equivalent of grafting day um, the day you separate them that's day one so then on day five, if you go in there very carefully, take the frames out and look for queen cells. Any that you see that are capped, you'll see both capped and open. Um, and if you cull the ones that are capped, then you will have, in theory, eliminated the larvae that were older. And the ones that are still open are going to be cells that were made from the youngest larvae. 
and um, I, I do that. It's it's a little extra step, but it makes me feel better if I'm making queens for whatever reason uh, on the frames that I have. I go back in there, and I also cull anything that looks really scrawny or that happened to be on dark wax. Um, so that I'm happy to have fewer and have higher quality on that subject so let's well let's see how there's so many things to tell you I just get so excited about this but anyway okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the methods a little bit later and I can see quickly this is gonna be a multi-part but the the concepts of the factors that go into the quality of that queen nutrition genetics mating and housing um, those are non-negotiables if you want a quality queen you've got to be keeping all those plates on sticks and and doing your best to help them make sure they've got the best of all those four things and if you do you can make remarkably good queens uh, right in your own backyard um, if if those things now you know the mating is going to depend on where you are or if you're able to put uh, drone colonies out there I have not put drone quality quantity uh, colonies out yet. Um, that's what I'm working on this year. But yet I have managed to get some really good queens um, right from my yard. So it can definitely be done. And you know, I think I said earlier that um, queen rearing is an intermediate skill. And I will say, you know, just the the steps and the procedure and the the kind of ha hand eye skills I would say all that's intermediate if you've been in beekeeping and you're fairly solid if you've doing been doing it a few years you're capable of doing all those things um, even grafting is is not that hard if you can see the larva and if with some good uh, magnifiers and some good light and some good dark comb you're going to be able to to see the larva and um, so even that's not that hard however getting really high quality queens and and really boosting all those factors and doing boosting everything to get the best quality of queen those skills are the kind of skills that you could easily spend a lifetime honing and improving and um i want to emphasize that that this is one of those things that you can start easy i'd like everybody that um has gotten their bees through a few winters to just jump on in to queen rearing like with a little uh, queen hotel or by doing you know some some walk back splits practicing up in the quality of your queen letting you know just don't do walk away splits um <laughs> there's so many things uh, a walkway split's just not the best and it's not even it's not that hard to make it way better than just a walkaway split um, so anyway I guess I'm gonna start wrapping that up here this good grief this is gonna turn out to be about a four-part series I want to say thank you to every listener um, it's been really fun to hear from you I love the questions that you're giving me on Five Apple Farm, uh, the Five Apple Farm page on Facebook, people are messaging questions. And I have a list a mile long <laughs> of the questions, um, which really do range everything from very beginner to quite advanced and things that are probably so advanced that I'll just give you resources because I'm not qualified to talk about. But um, but queen rearing, for you intermediate beekeepers, this this is your mission. If you get this down, it puts you in a whole new league because at that point, you you then begin to be able to really be able to assist the bees in your neighborhood in terms of Im improving their genetic quality 
and the beekeepers uh, in your area to be able to help them get good local queens is is a a big deal because the generic queens that are sold the kind of mass produced bulk queens that are sold with packages and and nukes um, they are not the best uh, the next the if you want good queens and don't want to mess with raising them yourself then begin researching queen breeders, um, you know, who on their page, you know, most of them have websites, who on their page talk at length about the methods they go through to select the best queens. I'm going to tell you a little funny story. Uh, a place uh, in the area that sells queens, uh, I asked them where they were getting their queens, and they said a name. I'm going to try to change the names here. Um, let's say they said, yeah, we're getting them from James B's. And I, I was thrilled. I'm like, wow, I have heard great things about James B's, and I, I want to try some of those queens. So I bought about three to try out. They were beautiful. They were prolific. But they were dead as a doornail the first winter. They could not handle the mite loads. They didn't winter over well here and I was so disappointed. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm really disappointed in the. And so when I did a little more research, I called them back and I'm like, so you got them from James B's, right? And that's not the name. I'm just making that up. Um, they said, yeah, it was uh, J-A-M-E-S-B's. They're out of such and such state. And I went, oh, um, I was looking for Jane's bees, J-A-N-E-S bees, out of this completely different state. <laughs> so it turned out those were not queens from the breeder that I was excited to try. And um, and now I am on the waiting list for next year for queens from the breeder that I did want to try. Um, and that's something that's pretty fun uh, in December to just, do, you know, have your research done and be watching the website of queen breeders that you admire because they are going to be sold out, booked up by probably by January 1st. And um, some of them have uh, minimum orders of, uh, well, it just depends on minimum orders. And by all means, try going in with your club and doing a, uh, an order to get these higher quality queens. The queens that I've ordered from some of the higher quality uh, breeders, uh, I will say I haven't found anything that's surpassed uh, in terms of survivor uh, things of, of my own yard, but I have found them that were sweeter and, and bigger and um, and more prolific and better honey producers. So, uh, you know, I am mixing some of those genetics in by having those bees in uh, the valley uh, where I have my uh, queen yard. I hope that uh, gives you some preliminary thoughts on queen rearing. For those of you who ask for this subject, please stay tuned. I'm going to do a whole series uh, on these the next few. I won't wait, wait a whole week. While I'm warmed up on it, I'm going to talk about um, a Better Backyards Queen class that I taught. I'm just going to go over that material with you. And then also, uh, I'm going to bring your attention to some things online. Again, like I said at the beginning, you can really get a crash course uh, in, in some, some good presentations just by searching for uh, queen rearing, yeah, uh, queen rearing methods, PPT on the internet and um, the first few that came up, I already, it, they're, they're good overviews that will be helpful to you.
Okay, I'll talk more later. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much to each of you who have left feedback on iTunes and the places that you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for those of you who've left good reviews on Facebook. I really appreciate the encouragement. Um, it helps because you just wouldn't believe the, the people who pop up to criticize you when you do something, a podcast like this. It's it's funny. It's a new experience for me. Um, but trolls quickly appear. <laughs> and, um, and I have to admit, you know, it takes, it takes me a minute to go, do I want to keep doing this? You know, when people are, are send you these really nasty messages about how they disagree with things that you've talked about. But, but I have to try to keep that in perspective, you know, because for every one of those, there's literally been 30 messages saying, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. And um, thanks and keep it up. And here's a question. I love to get those messages. You can contact me on the Facebook page, Five Apple Farm, Bees, Honey, and More. Have a great day and talk to you soon.